Good morning. Happy Daddy's Day. Yeah. My, my kids never did call me father. They called me daddy. And so, yeah, that's, uh, I, I like that. And it's okay. I mean, you know, if, you call your, if your kids called you father, that's cool. If you call your dad father, that's cool. I'm just saying, you know, we were a little more casual around the house, and that's how that worked. A couple of announcements before I get into this. Um, n- not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday is Springhouse Presents. And it's, uh, it's uh, you circle it on the calendar. You need to come to it. Uh, if you miss Bonnaroo, <laughs> less traffic and, uh, and less expensive. I mean, seriously, this is, uh, this, this is something you need, to, this is something you need to, to show up for. I'm just saying, we may not have quite as many acts, but they're probably better. Uh, and then also, we... Uh, Speaking of Father's Day, um, if you have a, a child, a baby that you want to have dedicated, well, we've kind of changed the protocol on that a little bit. And what we're doing is uh, uh, once a quarter, we're having a, a Sunday where we dedicate children. And this um, July the 10th will be the Sunday for this next quarter. So if you, if you uh, want to have a child dedicated or know someone who does, let them know. Um, this will give you a little time to let family know and things like that. Just contact us here at the church and we'll tell you what you need to do. Set that up. Uh, okay. Stand up with me and let's read from Philippians chapter two, first four verses. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage Forget yourself long enough to be help, helping hand. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in your word. I thank you for the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit. Because without the presence of the Holy Spirit, then even though your word is alive and active, we're dead to it. And so, Father, I pray that you'd rest on each one and that you would anoint us, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and a willingness to obey in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what did you get out of following Christ? I mean, what, what, what did that bring to you? Um, most people tend to focus initially on the fire insurance that you get from following Christ. That's, that's usually the first thing that people come up with is, well, I'm not going to go to hell. Well, good for you. And you're not. I mean, that's a great thing to avoid hell, but that's not what Jesus used to bring people to him. I mean, he didn't, Jesus didn't necessarily, really, Jesus didn't go around going, hey, you guys, you're going to hell unless you're getting on my team. You know, no, he, he, he was going, come unto me, everyone who is weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, I'll give you eternal life, you know, and, and 
And the apostles, as you read through the New Testament, I mean, sure, hell's mentioned, and it's there. Somehow or another, we decided um, at some point in time that that was the right bait to use to be getting people in. And if that's what it takes, then okay, but that's not the best bait by any means. But while we're there, let me, let me talk just for a couple of minutes about hell. And uh, because the question, yeah, let's talk about hell today. Uh, it reminds me of, a, of, of, oh, gee, it was 20 years ago. I was driving down Bell Road. There's a, there's a Baptist church on Bell Road that has a sign out front. And it was like 98 degrees, 100 degrees or something. And the sign, I promise you, I mean, I, I, some of you have heard me tell this before, but I promise you the sign said, think this is hot, think about hell, come hear our choir. Boy, that must be some choir. Yeah. <laughs> okay, where was I? Okay, why does, why does God send people to hell? And of course the answer is he doesn't send people to hell. People go to hell because they reject his love. They reject his, his offer of, of being with him. And here's why. Here's the deal. God is a holy God. And we want him to be holy. I mean, you know, who wants to worship an unholy God? Seriously, we, we want him to be holy, and he is, and he, and he can't change. It's not like he can go, well, you know what, this holiness is causing a problem, so I'm going to step it down a notch. No, uh-uh, he's a holy God, and we are unholy, we're, we're, we're sinful, and sin cannot exist in the presence of holiness. I mean, it absolutely just cannot exist there. Now, Right now, God's presence on the earth is veiled. Sometimes the veil gets thin. I oh, know it's so sweet when the veil does get thin. At least when you're, you know, that's, that's why songs get written like, I want to be lost in you and uh, overwhelm me. But most of the time, the veil's pretty thick because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And so the veil's got to be fairly thick just so we can exist. Just so sinful, sinful man, sinful woman can continue to actually live. Well, one of these days, he's tearing that veil completely apart, going to rip the sky open, come down and claim what is his. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And when the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea... Sin's not going to be able to be here. It has to go somewhere else. Now, that somewhere else has got to be someplace where God isn't. But God is everywhere. That's hell. That's hell. I, I remember reading one time, uh, imagine what it would be like to stand in front of an um, uh, uh, an omniscient being, an omniscient being all-knowing, knows everything, and have him say, I don't know you. Or an omnipresent being and not be where he is. Now that's lost. That, that's, that's really lost. And, uh, you know, and sometimes people, sometimes people think, Oh, well, you know, going to hell wouldn't necessarily be so all that bad. All my friends will be there. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Lost is lost. 
when, uh, when Isaac was six, a lot of you know this story, uh, I lost him. <laughs> lost him in a, in a big open air mall kind of thing with several different layers on it. And, and, uh, and I did, I, I, Mar- Margaret and four-year-old Arwen were shoe shopping, of course. And, and Isaac and I were out doing important things, waiting. And, uh, and I turned around to, to do something, and, and little six-year-old Isaac didn't see me when I turned around, and he took off running somewhere. You know, and, and all it takes is 20 seconds you know, you turn back around and go, what? you know, I'm asking around going, where, where is he? Here's the thing. I mean, I was scared. Okay. You get it. But imagine him. Imagine being the six-year-old and going, there are tens of thousands of people here. There are dozens of entrances and exits. I have no idea where the car is. I don't know where my parents are. I'm in a foreign country. Take that, be the six-year-old, and then multiply that a thousand times. That's hell. That's what hell is. And, and you say, well, 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 why is, you know, why would God just come and reveal himself if, if that's what's going to have to happen to some people? Have you been keeping up with the news? Do you know what's going on in this world? Do, do you think that anybody else can fix it? I mean, I, I, get, I get frustrated sometimes, and I almost don't know how to pray, but I do know how to pray. And the only thing you can pray is come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and sort this mess out, because nobody else can. So he will. So anyway, uh, if you've gotten any advantage from, from belonging to Christ, obviously getting out of hell is one of those things. And, and, but then also, let, let's flip the other side. Let's, let's, let's go really good here. Eternal life. Woo! Yeah, who doesn't want that? And, and eternal life, as I've told you before, is not, not eternal existence. It's a quality of life that God has. And there's a, there's a verse this week I was looking at, and it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but I saw something in there that I, hadn't, I really hadn't thought about before. And this is Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And I, I have tended to focus on the joy. In his presence is a fullness of joy. Because you know what? I like joy. I really do. And, and, and to have the fullness of joy and be in his presence, that's really great. But as I was looking at it this week, I went, eternal pleasures. What could that be? I've never had one of those. You haven't either. All the pleasures that I know have been these kind of temporary fleeting things. In fact, you know, today is Daddy's Day. And as I, and as I think about that and think about, I'm a daddy. So what would be really great today is some nice, big, juicy, golden, crispy, fried shrimp. And a big old baked potato with butter and butter and butter. And maybe a vegetable or, you know, somewhere on the side of the plate. And then after that, you know, I could go over to Five Daughters Bakery and have like three cream filled. There's, there's like a triple vanilla 
it's like that thick. And then there's, and then there's, a, there's, there's a maple um, cinnamon kind of thing that's got, yeah, and have a bunch of those. What pleasure. But you know what? By the time I got home, I think the pleasure would end. And maybe even turn to not pleasure. You know, you get right down to it. But this is eternal pleasures. Something that doesn't like get, oh, well, that's enough of that. But something that just continues on and on and on. And and then first John one five. Uh, this is the message we've heard from him. Declare to you, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. I like the nighttime, but the reason why I like the nighttime is because I like to look at the stars. But if there were no light, and, and, and then this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in him. I mean, imagine living in love. You ever been in love? You remember the first time you fell in love? What, are you dull? I mean, what? <laughs> did, did you ever fall in love? I mean, yeah, you remember the first time you fell in love? Love is a mini splendid thing. Love is, love is like oxygen. Love lives us up where we belong. <laughs> love makes teenage boys take showers. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Both of these things we associate with coming to Christ. We, uh, we escape hell. We have, we have eternal life. But both of these things point to someday. Now, someday is important, as I, as I was talking about last week. Someday is, is very important. Uh, and, and one other thing before I move out of this, I also, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily biblical, but I... Uh, and I think C.S. Lewis is the first time that I, that I got this idea from somebody. But I agree with the notion that when people go to heaven or when people go to hell, ultimately they discover that they've always been there. Because when eternity invades time, I think it works in both directions and kind of takes care of things. But what about right now? What, what does belonging to Christ, what has it done for you right now? Has his love made any difference in your life? Has, has Christ's love made a difference in you? We're created in God's image, and as such, we have the capacity to love. We have the capacity to be loved. And in fact, I think probably the whole, the whole shooting match, the whole story, the whole Kit and caboodle, whatever cliche you want to throw in there, has been about love from the get-go, from the very beginning. Love, when it comes to us, love changes us, transforms us. When, when you're in love and, and it's requited, man, your, your step is lighter. The world looks better. Life is worth living. You know? And like I say, not only do teenage boys take showers, they comb their hair, they start using deodorant. Things like that. And as they get older, they decide to finish school. They decide to get jobs. They decide to do the kind of things that you have to do to, to become a man. Love turns them into a man. I, you know, I, I'm sure it changes girls too. I have no idea. I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't have personal experience of that. But I got guy personal experience. And I tell you, it, 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 it changes you. makes a difference in your life. 
when our son Isaac um, was in his mid twenties, I guess, approaching his mid twenties, uh, he took a year, you know, he took some time off from school and. Yeah, and for a while there, I was kind of going, nah, I don't know if he's going to go back to school or not. He wasn't sure if he's going to go back to school or not. You know, Then he met Stephanie, and the boy went back to school <laughs> and finished it up because love changes you when it happens in your life. It transforms us. The love of Christ didn't just save me from hell. The, the love of Christ transformed me. It changed me. It gave me a gave me a new, a new set of eyes for looking at the world. It, it, it caused me to, to begin to look at the world the way the Father looks at the world, to, to, to see the potential, to, to, see, the, to see the beauty, to see the, to see the love, to see the, the, the things that He put into people's lives. I, I, I don't really get it. I, I guess I do get it, but I don't really get it how some people come to Christ and, and they begin to see ugly stuff. They begin to go, well, that's wrong. Well, you can't do that. Well, you shouldn't do that. Well, look at that, what they're doing. You know, I don't, I don't get that. When I came to Christ and his love touched me and transformed me, everybody got prettier. Every, everything got better. And, and if somebody had a problem, I go, I know somebody who can fix that. I know somebody who can change you because they changed me. So, if somebody's got issues, I know somebody who can work those issues out. You know, you don't have to stay that way. In fact, I'm, I'm believing you're not going to stay that way. You're, go, you're going to get better because I got better. The love of Christ gave me a hope that does not disappoint. Everything that God has promised in my life, he's delivered on. Everything. Every, every promise that he's put in my heart. Now, you know, the scriptures obviously contain promises and 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 that too, but there have been things that he has specifically put in my heart and gone, this is for you, Ronnie, and he's done it, and usually beyond what the promise actually was. See, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't happen in, in the world. People, people disappoint us. People let us down. Uh, people aren't, aren't able to fulfill the things, or they intentionally don't fulfill the things, or they forget that they made a promise. God never forgets, and it's and it's there. His love, His love changed me. Does being in a community of the Spirit mean anything to you? Belonging is vitally important. I mean, whether it's a family, a tribe, a team, a gang. Some people join gangs. They don't. They don't feel like they have a place they belong. When it comes to teams, you know, if, 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 if teams are being selected, you don't want to be the one that no team wants. You don't want to be the one that's, that's left out. And, and, you know, belonging does some, some incredible things for you. About uh, a month or so ago, I was in a, I was in a play um, up in Nashville, and um, they rehearsed out in Franklin. And when I, when I went into the rehearsals, um, I didn't have to begin, start them. I came in about a week later. I knew one person, and I was the only person there who only knew one person. And there were like 50 people involved in this production. You know, and, I mean, I'm old enough now, I don't care. You know, I just, if I'd been 30, I'd have been, you know, but that was a long time ago. Uh, I, I mean, I cared, but I, I, I could deal with it, but... Man, you know, to walk into a place where you don't know anybody and everybody else knows everybody else, I, 
Does anybody enjoy that? No, of course not. You, you want to be able to go, hey, hey, yeah, I remember, I know you, you know, and, and be known, know and be known. Does it mean anything to you to, be, to belong to a, to a community of the Spirit? And this isn't just some kind of club or some kind of temporary thing or being in a play or, 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 or joining an organization. No. Uh, John 1.12 says, To all who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children. Children of God. Daddy's day. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, when you're little uh, and, and everything, you have a tendency to go, well, when is kids' day? And, of course, when you get older, you know, it's all the rest of them. And actually, it's this one, too. Yeah, get right down to it. And then over in, over in Romans 8, 15, I, I, I love this. The Spirit, a community of the Spirit, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Daddy, Daddy, uh, my dad uh, loved that verse and hated the way that Wayne quoted it uh, because, you know, Wayne would say, Daddy, God, and, and my dad just wasn't brought up in a generation that could deal with that kind of familiarity uh, with God, though I think in some ways they probably knew God better than those of us who can. But nevertheless, uh, Boy, like I say, my, my, my kids didn't call me father. They called me daddy or dad, you know, or when they were mad at me, dad, you know, like that. But, oh, there's, there's a sweetness there. There's a, you belong. Does it mean anything to you that there are those who will be there for you? And, and when you leave this life, the parting is brief. Does that mean anything to you? You know, and, and, and I know what the enemy is saying to some people is, well, such and such happened to me eight years ago, and nobody was there for me. Uh, that's wrong. That's wrong. You let the enemy blind you. They were there. Or if they weren't there, you know what? They're just people. They're just people. He was there. He was there. And if you'd given him a chance, he would have he would have gotten some hands and and feet to be there for you. And then the fact that the partings my dad died eight years ago, my mom died twelve years ago, and that you know that seems like a while. I mean, especially if you're if you're young. Uh, but you know what? It ain't going to be long. I mean, I, I just it's just going to be bam like that. And I, I, I wish I had put it in the presentation. I didn't, but I posted on Facebook a picture of my dad when he was 20. Let me tell you, we, we meet men. We got it going on. And uh, when, when he was 20, and I never, I never knew my dad when he was 20. I mean, my dad was in his mid-30s when I was born. Uh, but one of these days, I'm going to see Harvey in his 20s. And what a... What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. Do you have a heart? Do you care? I mean, everybody 
their knee-jerk reaction would probably be yes, although we actually live in a world today that has gotten so messed up that a lot of people go, I don't care. But those are the ones who've lost hope. Those are the ones who become so self-absorbed that their lives are just shrinking into this tiny insignificance. You gotta care. You gotta have a heart. And if you do care, and if these things mean something to you, then let's start acting like Christ. Let's start being like Christ. You go, well, no, he's Christ. I mean, yeah, you're being transformed into his image. Start trying. Pressing towards the family resemblance. You know, when little kids put on, uh, a little boy puts on his, his daddy's shoes, or a little girl puts on his mom, her mommy's shoes, you know, they're not, they're not being a hypocrite. They're, they are, tr- they're practicing. This is what they want to be. It's what they're going to be. When, uh, when, when our grandson uh, <laughs> Jack gets his chainsaw out and going, boom, boom, you know, and it won't cut anything down or anything. It'll just make noise and everything. You know, he's practicing. And probably one of these days we're going to come home and there are going to be trees laying all over the yard. <laughs> because that's what he's going to be. That's what he's going to do. And so, you know, even though you may go, well, you know, I'm, I'm really not that good. Well, practice. Practice. Try it. Try it. Try it. Try it to be that good. And here's what Paul says. He says, agree with each other, love each other, and be deep spiritual friends. Agree with each other. That doesn't mean that you have to walk in lockstep on every issue. Some of the most important people in my life don't have a clue about what side of the issues they should be on. But they're still very important people in my life. Even though we don't necessarily agree about issues. And the reason is because our relationship is deeper than issues. That's, that's, that was good, by the way. Our relationship is deeper than issues. <coughs> you can disagree and still be agreeable. You, you, I mean... Uh, when I was growing up, we used to hear all the time, you know, ah, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You know, and we go, okay, yeah, we can. We've lost that. We have completely lost that as a culture. We sold it for money. Because we discovered that if you get real disagreeable, a lot of people will pay attention to you. You get page views and eyeballs and you can get a lot of big advertising money. So let's just get real disagreeable, everybody. Oh, there's no amount of money that was worth losing that. And the only way to get it back is just to go, I ain't going there. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not going there. Love is the key. If you, if you love, you don't have to be in lockstep because, like I say, your, your relationship's based on something a lot deeper than issues, a lot more important than issues. Uh, very quickly, one example. How many of you know who these two people are? Yeah, a few of you do. It's amazing how many people know who these folks are. Yeah. Uh, James Cavell and uh, Mary Madeline. And how many of you know what's special about them? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, James uh, was uh, Bill Clinton's campaign manager. Uh, Mary was George H.W. Bush's campaign manager. Uh, she also served in the George W. Bush administration. Uh, 
James is a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, as you can tell by his blue shirt and his blue tie. And I guess that's a blue coat. I don't know, whatever. Uh, he's probably got blue eyes. Uh, Mary uh, does have blue eyes, but she's got on, on the red and everything going on there. She recently has, uh, uh, I've been told, switched to being a libertarian. But they got married 23 years ago. And they're still married. Wonder what they talk about. Wonder what kind of conversations they have. Yeah. He was 49 when they got married. First time for both of them. She was 40, he was 49. He was robbing the cradle. And, you know, and, you, and, and I would kind of think, well, you know, it's one of those D.C. power marriages, blah, blah, blah. They've had two kids since then. Yeah, so I'm kind of going, this, this might be this is a real marriage. Yeah, moved, they actually left D.C. and moved to, to New Orleans. And, and you know what? If they can do it, you can do it. Seriously. You get right down to it. God, lo- God has issues with us, and he still loves us. God has issues with our actions and the way, the things that we do and the ways that we think. And he still loves us. He still, he still walks with us. Be deep-spirited friends. If you're pictured enough there, I, I don't like you. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. If you're pictured enough there, I probably couldn't find it because I, 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 I looked, looked for a bunch of them and then I finally decided, you know, I could actually put ten times that many pictures up there and, and every, nobody would know who anybody was. Uh, you get right down to it. What a rich, blessed man I am. Seriously. Just absolutely. And, and you know, even as, I, even as I look at that, and while I, was, while I was doing it, while I was looking at it, I was just kind of going, oh, wow, I'm kind of getting blown away here. But even as I look at it now, you know, and I, I knew it, but as I'm looking at it now, I'm kind of going, well, you know, man, I wish I had so-and-so, and I wish I'd put, some, I wish I'd put that one up there. I wish I'd put that one up there. Deep spiritual friends. What do you what do you what what are your ambitions? What are you striving for? What do you want out of life? It doesn't get any better than this. Seriously. There's no salary or paycheck that can buy you this. It can buy you a bunch of faces. Can't buy that deep spiritual connection that people have with you and the Lord. And so, you know, if this is important to you and and you want to act this way, there's also a a flip side, some stuff not to do. Don't don't push your way to the top, to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put aside yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. And that last verse I mean, that last sentence, forget yourself. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. See, Jesus said it works this way. If you go to a wedding banquet and and the seating is arranged according to importance, this is the most important, this is the least important, and you come in and not everybody's there yet and there are open seats, don't go get the most important one you can find. Because if you do, when... 
the master of the banquet comes in, he may have to go to you and go, oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, excuse me, you're not that important. Uh, you need to go down there. I said, you'll be humiliated before everybody should go down. I said, this, is, this is the secret. Jesus said, when you get in, find the lowest seat you can find. And sit in it. Because then, when the master of the banquet comes in, he'll have to go, oh, no, 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 no. No, you need to move up here. And you let him do that for you. And that is so totally the opposite of the way that it works in the world. In fact, we, we virtually require of our leaders that they be the anti-this. That they do push their way to the front of the line, that they do sweet talk their, their way to the top, that, they, you know, you got to do some smoozing, you got to, and, and all of this to be able to, to, to get ahead and be exalted and be a leader. That's the world. The kingdom is the other way. And if you think the world is a really good place, you're not paying attention. I mean, this is where the family resemblance really kicks in. And we'll get there next week because he says, let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And I don't want to preach that this week because I wouldn't have anything to preach next week. I could just preach it again and maybe, you know, more people would actually hear it. Uh, what makes you proud of your kids? I mean, does it make you proud of your kids for them to, you know, pick on littler kids and, and, and beat them up and bully them? I mean, you know, do you go, oh, my kid beat your kid up. Well, if that's the thing that makes you proud, you, you're sick. <laughs> I, I'm not serious. That's wrong. That's completely wrong. What makes you proud is when your kid goes out of their way to do something special for somebody else, goes out of their way to show some compassion for somebody, goes out of their way to, to, to share something or give something away. You know, man, that... Chess goes out there, man. That's my kid. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, having lunch a couple of months ago with my cousin Billy, who's about my height and got about 80 pounds on me. And he informed me that meek men are not fat, we're barrel chested. <laughs> yes. So, pop that chest out there, you know, that's my kid. And God, for his kids, you know, what what got to make him feel great is when he, he looks at us do exactly what Paul just said. Forget yourself. Forget yourself, because that's what God did. God, God gave his only son. In fact, while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So how much more are we going to be reconciled? Shall we be saved? Now that we've been reconciled, how, how much more should we be saved by his life? Most of our neuroses, most of our disappointments, most of our depression, most of our uh, weariness with the world comes from being so focused on me. And when we forget about ourselves, it is so freeing. It's like, you know, being able to breathe again for the first time. It's, it's being released from something when we forget about ourselves and we're able to then turn outward. Then our family resemblance gets strong. Then he's seen, he's glorified, we're happy, 
Happy Daddy's Day becomes every day. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward? Yeah. And uh, if you're here and you need prayer, your daddy's here. Your father's here. And he can fix anything. I'm telling you, he can fix anything. So if you've got physical healing that you need, if, you've got, if you're confused and you need some, some clarity, if you need uh, someone to give you favor, go ahead of you. If you're the outsider right now and you're kind of going, man, I, you know, I'm not really part of this family. You can be. You can be. I mean, Jesus knew you were coming today. And not only did he know you were coming, he made an appointment for you. We'd like to introduce you to him. So anyway, we're going to sing for a few moments. And if you need to come, you come. And if not, worship with us. Create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can do some, do some business. Okay.